Praise the Lord. We are studying through the book of Mark. And as you know, we're going through verse by verse and we learn from this book. We learn from the Gospels. Have we learned already? Five weeks or six, seven weeks, I should say, in the first chapter. In the first chapter. That's how deep and how solid and how rich the Word of God is. Uh, welcome to our visitors here from Shepparton. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to see you again. Amen. So, um, and it's not trying to prove a point to stay long in a book. It's just there's so much in the Word of God. It is so rich. I can preach over the first chapter again, and it might take us another seven weeks, and you might hear new things. That's what the Word of God is. I've been studying this book now for so many years, and every time when you come over the passage, you get something new, Brett. I've been preaching, Mark, this is not the first time I've preached through the book of Mark, but I'm telling you what, my soul is enriched again with all of the nice new things that come. And it's not new that it wasn't there. It's only now revealed to us in a, in a different way that it was revealed before. So nothing is new, new. You know, everybody comes out and they say, oh, this is a new revelation. No, no, it's always been there. But as we grow... He opens up more to us. And how wonderful is it? I want to talk to you today about Jesus, a life of prayer. Because we find this into the new passage that we come. But never re forget why Mark wrote this book. I say it every week before I start the sermon. And I want you to remember this. Every book in the Bible has got a purpose. And Mark writes it to us to tell us who Jesus is and why he came. Those are the two things. If you keep it to that and you read through the Gospel of Mark, he will answer these questions. And already in the last seven weeks, we found a lot of these answers. You know, if people ask you, do you know a person and you haven't met that person, you don't know him until you meet him. And hopefully through these sermons and through studying through the, the Gospel of Mark, you know him better. That is the purpose. Who Jesus is and why he came. Mark tells us three reasons why Jesus came. In Mark chapter 1 verse 38 he says, But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. Because for this purpose I have come forth. We're going to look at that passage today. It's part of our study today. So why did he come? He came to preach. What did he preach? The kingdom of, of God is at hand. Remember when John the Baptist was uh, preaching? He said, come and be baptized in the, the baptism of repentance. He was talking about the Messiah to come. But when Jesus came, he is the Messiah. What did he preach? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God. He's the Messiah. And he came to preach that is one of the reasons he came. In Mark chapter 2 verse 17 he says, When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a doctor. Is that right? It's not as if when you're all well, you're feeling happy and you're feeling good and you haven't got any illness in your body. Is that when you go and see a doctor? Is that when you call up the doctor and say, can I see the doctor? And I go, yep, you can see the doctor. And as you walk into the doctor, he says, okay, what can I help you with? Nothing. I'm all good. So what are you doing here? Oh, I just thought I'd come around and see you. Is that why you go and see a doctor? 
No, that's not why you go and see a doctor. This is what Jesus said. He said it right there. He says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, it's when you're sick that you go and see the doctor. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is why he came. To preach the kingdom of God is at hand, and then he says to call what? Sinners to repentance. This is the message. It's simple. <clears throat> and then he says in Mark chapter 10 verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's why Jesus came. That's what Mark writes about. He came to serve us. People take offense in that if you say it sometimes. They say, how can you say that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who is God, came to serve me? Well, He says it Himself. He said that he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That is what the word is. And let me tell you, brother and sister, I've been preaching this word for so long. That's the message that saves souls. That's the message. Nothing else, nothing less. And I started at the table this morning talking about that. If you want Christ, you come to him. Why? You come to Him because He's the only one, the only one that can save your soul. How do you do that? You listen to Him when He preached to you the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. You listen to Him, you repent of your sin, and you get saved. And He, what does He do? He heals your soul. He heals your soul. That's what He do. This is why He came. Jesus Christ the Messiah that came. So let's continue in our study now. In Mark chapter 1 verse 35, we find it that it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. I just want to talk about this verse. Because we think about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the preacher, but seldom people preach about him as the man of prayer. And here we find it, that he is a man of prayer. He says it, that when he woke up, when the sun came up, and it must be in that quarter, it's between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning, he woke up early in the morning, and what happened? He went to a place alone, and he started to pray. And this is what we find there. We find that this is his source of, of strength, is to go into prayer and speak to the Father. One would think, if you think about him, what happened the previous day? There were a lot of people, you remember last week, a lot of people came to the house. The whole city, the Bible said, came to his house. And he healed many people, didn't he? And a lot of demons were casted out. So I would think, if there's so many people who want your attention, and I work in an industry where I don't work a lot with my hands or with my strength in my body, but I work with brain power to talk to people, to network. And I tell you what, at the end of the week, I'm tired up here. It's a different tiredness than body tiredness. You know what I'm talking about? 
It's constantly have to concentrate to talk to people, to listen to people. It, it takes energy out of your body. And here is Jesus. He's in and amongst the whole city, the Bible says. He's laying on hands. He listens to people when they come to him. They say, oh, I've got a pain in my knee. I've got this. I've got this pain and all of these. Oh, my mother-in-law has got a fever and all of these things. He had to listen to all of that. Then he prays a prayer or he touches them. However he works. Don't you think he gets tired? And it went on, I presume, late into the night. So if I think about the scripture verse, it says, Now in the morning, having risen long before daylight, I would think about this and go, If I work like that and you are my boss, and I've worked until last night, 11 o'clock, speaking to people, listening to their problems, helping them, healing them, I must be tired, wouldn't I? And if I call you up and say, oh, you know what, I've had such a busy day yesterday, I'm just going to lie in a bit. Would you be, say that's okay? I would say that's fine, because you've really worked hard. And here we find Jesus, who's, who's man just like us. It's not as if he walked upon the face of the earth in, in his godly power as he was lifted up five inches from the ground, never touched the ground. He was man just like us. He became hungry just like us. He became tired just like us. And here is he, and, and you know, he had to listen to everybody. Here is Jesus Christ, really tired, but he wakes up in the next morning, between three, three o'clock in the morning and six in the morning, he goes to a place on his own and he starts talking to the Father. He starts praying. There's no sleeping in for him, there's no excuses. You want to know why? Because this is not a job for him. This is not a job. This is His calling. People is His calling. The ministry is His calling. Souls is His calling. This is why He came. He came. He said at one stage, He says, While it's still light, let us work, because the day is going to come and the hour when it's dark and man can't work anymore. No time to waste. Oh, but when I look at us sometimes, we go, oh, I'm so tight. You just don't know, preacher. I'm just so drawn out. I just can't put one foot in front of another. Now, I'm asking you, in that state, are you calling on the Father? Because this is what he did. This is his source of strength. He knew in that previous, next day, people would be looking for him again. He knew that people will come to them with everything they've got. They, the hour of despair, they will come to him walking with pain in their bodies, riddled with diseases and sicknesses, and in their souls, ridden with sin, trapped in a body with chains. And he knew they would come to him, and him as a man will not have the power to sustain. But you know who will sustain him? The Father will sustain him. So the one source of power he has, he goes to. He goes to him, and he prays for him, and the Father gives him the strength. Not only does that give him strength, he builds a relationship with the Father. You say, but he came from the Father. He's God. Surely you will have a relationship with the Father. Yes, I know. But he knew that if you have a relationship, the more you communicate in the relationship, the stronger the relationship becomes. I'm married with my beautiful wife now nearly 30 years. And I would tell you, our relationship is now stronger than 30 years ago. Would you say? We know each other more now, better now than 30 years ago. Now, if I stand here and I say, truly, I haven't spoken a word to my lovely wife in 30 years, will we have a good relationship? Now, what if I say to you, I only speak to my lovely wife 
once a week between a certain hour which will have a great relationship so how is it then that Christians think and children of God think we can have a wonderful relationship with the Father without, without talking to Him in prayer? How would you think that? You don't live with that with your children, do you? You've got beautiful children and you love them to bits, but you say, hey, children, only Saturdays we can have a communication. During the week you don't come to me, you don't talk to me, I don't talk to you. Some Christians live their lives like that. Some only pray when they come into the church. And when somebody in the church pray, they pray to the Father. You see, this is the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought a great opportunity to talk about that. How is your prayer life? If it was so important for the Son of Man, the Son of God, to go on His own, separated from people, and to call upon the Father, how important is it for you and for me? This is his source of strength. And the key point here is that busyness should lead us to prayer, not away from it. Here is a busy Jesus. And what happened? He didn't say, I haven't got time for prayer. He goes, prayer is number one and busyness can wait. You see, if we go to the Father about a problem, He tells us what to do. And He strengthens us and gives us the command through that. Well, now, the question is, what do you think Jesus prayed about when he went there? Have you ever thought about what Jesus' prayer would have been? Here is Jesus. He had all of these crowds coming to him. He healed a lot of them. What would he pray? And, and when you pray, how do you pray? What is your prayers made up out of? Is it just a five-minute prayer and says, Oh, Lord, help me today to make a lot of money, to put food in my belly, and to... I don't know. Is it all about me and I and I? Can you pray for yourself? Or do you pray for others? We find so many beautiful moral prayers of Jesus in the Bible. I'll just speak one out for you and quickly take you through that. What did he pray for? I want to suggest to you that he prays, and we get an indication in John chapter 17 that he gives us a hint what he prayed for when he went there on his own into the mountain away from his disciples. John 17, we find, first of all, Jesus did pray for himself. He did. John 17, chapter 1, he says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may also glorify you. Glorify your Son. Who is the Son? Jesus Christ. He says, Father, glorify me so that I can glorify you. And he, and he continues on, look, I'm just taking verses out. I highly suggest this afternoon go and read chapter 17 in John on your own. Go and sit in a quiet place, open up your Bible, read through John chapter 17 with this in mind. From verse 1 up to verse 16, he prays about himself, how the Lord strengthened him to bring the message of God to the people. He says in that passage, what you told me, I told them. He says in that passage, the Logos, which is the word, the written word, has become Rima to the people. And, and you know what, brother and sister, if you want to take the message out to the people, you need strength from above. No, no, let me say to you this morning, listen, if you want to be, and if you call yourself a Christian, a child of God, you need in this world strength from above. You won't make it on your own. You will burn out. 
No, no, I don't think you've heard what I say. If you, if you sit here this morning and you say, I'm a Christian, I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb, and you try to do it in your own power, you're going to get burned. You need the power from above. You have to go on your knees and say, Father, I need your strength. You have to cry out for Him. Because if I say, Father, I need your strength, what am I doing? I'm telling the Father that I'm weak and He is strong. Isn't that right? Father, I'm going to work with my children today. I'm going to work with my wife today. I'm going to work with my husband today. I'm going to work with my colleagues at work today. I'm, I'm going to run into a stranger in the street. I'm going to sit at the bus stop and there's going to be a stranger sitting next to me who's a hungry soul. I'm, I'm going to walk and somebody's going to drop a paper. I'm going to pick it up a conversation start. And that conversation could lead towards the cross. And I'm telling you this morning, I am telling you this morning, you need power from above to be able to sustain that. Because not only is it your own body that needs that, but you get an attack from the enemy. There's an enemy who wants to draw you down. And it's the same that happened. What happened before this? Jesus was in the wilderness, wasn't he? And what happened? He was tempted. He was attacked by the enemy. You need strength from above. And here Jesus prays for himself first. He prays. It's not selfish. Yes, it's selfish if you say, Father, I want this and I want the car and I want that and I want people to always listen. I want that. That is selfish. But if you come to him with your needs, he will supply you to your needs. He prays for his disciples. Look at this in John 17, 16. He talks about his disciples who were with him at that point in time. He says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. The word sanctify there means set them apart. I see in our day in life, our Christians are not set apart from the world. They are still looking like the world. The only, now, now listen to me. I'm not saying we're all going to dress now in blue to set us apart and make that a religion. That's not what I'm saying. He says, what sets them apart? Your truth sets them apart. Let it be known that the truth of God will set you apart from the world. And the world is seeking for truth. Now, now, he says it right there. Don't forget this. Don't, don't miss this. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. What is your truth? What is your truth? Come on, the words is there. Your word is truth. Your word, in other words, what he's saying to you and me as a child of God, he says that the word of God will set you apart from the world. The wisdom, the whole wisdom of the world is in the book. Science, the whole wisdom of science is in the book. Oh man, I'll tell you what, scientists will sit on the other end and, and talk to you and you hold on to the word of God and you will shame their wisdom with the word of God. He was praying for himself, he's praying for his disciples. He says, set them apart. But these days, if Christians are set apart from the world, they start crying to God. They go, oh, the world don't like me anymore. My friends don't want... Wait a minute. Jesus was praying, set them apart. Do you want to be set apart or not? Do you want to be a child of God or not? He was praying, set them apart, and the Word of God will set them apart. Now, it's not only the spoken word, it's the Rima word. What does it mean? You have to live the Word of God in your life. And here he says, it set them apart by your Word. Your Word is truth. In verse 18 he says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And 
for their sakes sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So he prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples. He went on his own up into the mountain before everybody was awake. He went in a solitary place and he prayed for himself, for his disciples. But here is the great news which excites me. Because not only did he pray for himself and his disciples, he also prayed for you and for me who are sitting here today. He said, but what a minute, I wasn't even born. But he knew. Now, he might not have known your name right there when he was Jesus Christ on the earth, but God knows you before you even know. He was praying for you today. This prayer that he prayed was through the chasms of times into the future. And here he says it in, in John 17 verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone. Who? The disciples who was with him. He says, he says, Father, I'm not only praying for these people who I can touch right now, who can feel my breath, who can touch. I'm not talking about them only. What is he talking about? He says it there, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, let me do the test this morning. Let me do the test. Are you believing through the word of God in Jesus Christ? Yes or no? It's an easy answer. Yes? Put up your hand. No, keep it down. Okay, that's fine. I get the answer. So here he says it. He says, I'm not only praying for these, but those. Here we are in Karam Downs today. Those who, who believe in me through their word. That is why the Word of God, my brother Glenn, is still important. It is the Word that God inspired for them to write so that we may believe in Him through the Word. And here is the great, I don't know about you, but for me it's fantastic to know this, that Jesus Christ Himself prayed for this man standing in front of you. And I've got the proof right there. How privileged are we? Think about that. You see, I can keep on pre preaching about this verse, and it is so rich. And I pray the Lord bless your heart with His holy anointing right now to think about it, that the King of kings and the Lord... Listen to me, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. He is a powerful God. He's a God, He's, Jesus is authoritative, and He prayed for you. How privileged I. So Jesus went away to his place of strength. He didn't have a guru that he went to. He didn't drink V or Red Bull or energy drinks. His energy came from the Father. Where is your energy going to come from? You know the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. You know that. He's speaking to me. You complain about how tired you are and all that. I, look, I get it. I get tired. I'm not talking physical tiredness. I'm talking up here and here. You know how you are struggling. You just keep it in. You don't want to tell everybody. But you can tell it to Him. Because let it be known that He is the mighty counselor. It says it there in Isaiah. The verse that everybody put into Christmas cards. Isaiah, what? For unto us a son is born. Yes? And what he says there, he is a mighty counselor. 
He's the one who will, who will get rid of all of your thoughts that rolls on and molds on. He gives you strength for another day and for today. So Jesus is praying really early in the morning. And now it's really interesting when we follow the narrative on. He goes in verse 36. He says, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? They searched for him. But I, I'm telling you one thing. While he was up between 3 and 6 in the morning, what did they do? Oh, we've had such a busy day. Jesus will understand, wouldn't he? I'm so tired. Oh. I'm just going to sleep in. And when they wake up, oh, where's Jesus? We can't find him. They searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, look at this now, everyone is looking for you. What is going on, Jesus? Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next town so that I may, be, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in the synagogues throughout all of Galilee and casting out demons. You see, they come to him and say, Jesus, you are so popular now. Didn't we read it last week that the whole city came to him, didn't we? Didn't we read that his fame spread so quickly, like a, it's like a fire? It spread so quickly. And these, isn't that why you're going to ministry? To get fame? Isn't that it? But I believe that's what I see these days. People going to ministry to go, Woo, we've got 500, 600. Woo, this preacher is such a famous. Everybody wants him on their preacher, preaching register and roster and all of these things. It's not Jesus. Amen. Preach it. Say, brother. Here he is. You know, he's popular. But not only that, why are people seeking him? Why do you think? Why are they seeking Jesus? What happened the previous day? He was healing a lot of people, wasn't he? Hey, bring all of the sick. He's going to heal them. And they all came from, the Bible says the whole city came. And, and he casted out demons and everything and go, wow, it's not who he is, is what he can do for us. That is the problem these days. It's not who he is, it is what he can do for us. That's why they searched for him. I've got the sickness over me and he can touch me and that will heal it. Now let me say, Jesus did not come to be a miracle healer. I read it nowhere. He didn't come, and he says it himself. You know, when they came to him, I, I presume there were so many more people who were sick to be healed. I presume there was, there was hundreds there. The whole city came. And, and the news during the night, just imagine somebody had a sick, call it whatever it is, you know, a pain, uh, uh, um, you know, whatever pain it is, and Jesus comes and heals them that night, and they go back to their little place where everybody knows them. And everybody knew that person is so sick, always walking with a pain. And now all of a sudden this person comes back and go, wow, look at me. I just know I feel no pain. They go, what happened? Oh, Jesus, that man down there, he touched me. What's going to happen? Oh, Auntie Betty is lying there in the back room. And Auntie Betty is sick. We need to get Auntie Betty to Jesus. Isn't that right? That's what I would do. That's what I would do. He's the miracle healer. 
But you see, brothers and sisters, he did not come to be a miracle healer upon this face of the earth. That was only part of it. And Jesus says it himself here. He says, everyone is looking for you, but he said to them, let us go into the next one that I may preach there also. For this purpose I have come. To do what? To preach the message. What is the message? The kingdom of God is at, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It wasn't about this body. It was about that body. The soul. Because this is the thing. You can be healed, but still be lost. And still be deemed for eternal damnation in the lake of fire. Yes? But if you are saved and healed from the inside. And now he says this. He says, I need to go and preach. That I may preach. So he preached the gospel which heals the hearts of people. Uh, um, and, and, and if you think about it, he took a risk. One would say, Jesus, wait a minute, you've got such a popular, the whole city is here. Let's build, let's build a church. Let's ask some tithing and build a church. We're going to build a beautiful church. And people will come in, you know, by the, you'll have a full church. You're immediately overnight a success. He said, no, let's go to the other towns. That's not what he's in for. He's not in for success or anything like that. He took a risk of being rejected in the next cities, but that's what he did. And here's an important thing. Every time when you take a risk, you learn something new. Isn't that right? You grow when you take a risk. That's when you grow. But so many people get stagnant where they are. They, they don't take risk. They just sit in one position for 10, 10 20 years. Never take a risk. Oh, I wanted to do that, but I was always afraid this is going to happen. Well, if you don't take that risk, you wouldn't know. Isn't that right? I'm just thinking about something while I say those words. So true. Now let's continue on to Mark chapter 1 verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately, there's our man Mark's word again, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So a leper comes along. And the thing about lepers is it was illegal for them to approach other people. It was illegal for them. They, they were not allowed to do this. And, and leprosy is a really bad disease. I can talk you through all of what happens, but I think it will be gory. You want to have lunch this afternoon, don't you? You don't want to have this picture, this mental picture that I'm giving you about leprosy when you, when you eat your nice, uh, we've got toasted sandwiches today. But it's a really bad thing because it, it rottens the skin. It's got a smell to it. It is affection, so you can affect other people. And, and we find that everybody knew what it was. If, if you look in Leviticus 13 verse 44, uh, the instruction from God to the people was, if he is a leprous man, he is unclean. Now look at this now. This is important to note. A leper man was known to be unclean in the Old Testament. Unclean. Now there was a reason 
that God instructed the people that this man is unclean. Because for the Jews, if it's unclean, you are not allowed to go too close to him. You're not allowed to touch the unclean. Same with the animals in the Old Testament, okay, which changed in the New Testament. But that's a different message. But if something is unclean, then the people knew stay away. This is why he says a leprous man is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. So they go to the priest. These spots comes onto their skins, on the forehead. It starts and they say, oh, you've got leprosy, you're unclean. And the priests say that. He's sore on his forehead. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare. So they shave off the hair, tear their clothes. And he shall cover his moustache. Uh, uh, and cry, unclean, unclean, he shall be unclean all the days, he has the sore, he shall be unclean, he's unclean and he shall dwell alone, his dwelling shall be outside the camp. So that is what was in place. Leprous man comes on, there's a crowd there, he walks on his way and he goes, unclean, unclean. It's like an alarm, and all the people go, there's a leprous man, and they stay out of the way. By the time it became the New Testament, the clever Pharisees added more to this. They then reckon if a man is leprous, it's because he's a sinner. So much so that some of the rabbis, if there was an, a man with leprosy in the same street where they were buying food, and they see the leprous man, they wouldn't even buy the food. See how men and mankind can add more things to it? So there was a really bad stigma around leprosy. Here we find one of those men coming on. And instead of this morning, this man coming up and scouting, unclean, unclean, what does he do? Maybe he also heard from the crowd in the whole city that Jesus was healing people. And he come to Jesus, the source of power. And what does he do? He come to him, he falls down on his face. There's two other accounts which you can go and read in the book of Luke and so on. He falls down, he prostrates himself before Christ, go on his knees. And then what does he say? He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And, and now we find only one of the few times that Jesus was moved with compassion. Why? Because these people are very lonely people. They were outside of the camp. For many years, didn't experience a hug, a warm hug of another human being. Never been touched again by another human being. Never. Separated. Jesus see this man falling down. No, nobody touched him. No love. There's no compassion. No compassion. You know what Jesus did? He broke all the laws, if you want to put it that way. Because they were not allowed to touch these people. He reaches out and he touches this man. I wonder if that leper can sing this morning. I wonder what he would sing. He had compassion on me. He had compassion on me. He had compassion on me. Do you think he would sing that song? The Bible says he was moved with compassion. He touches this man which other people won't do. And in, in a way you think about this, if he touches the unclean man, 
he immediately was deemed according to the laws as being unclean. But it doesn't work like that with Jesus. He wasn't unclean. And this shows us who Jesus is. He's the Son of Man, the Son of God. He's got authority and He's got power. He's got power over demons. He's got power over sin. And He's got power over diseases. You've got a disease in your heart. We all, we all were born with a disease. What is that? Sin. And in a way, in a way, if we look at this leper man, we are in the same because leprosy, you know, if we think about sin in your life, sin, the stain of sin, we are dead walking without Christ. Stinking, stinking, you're the sin you do. If I ask you to come up here and tell me the worst thing you've done as a sinner, you'll be ashamed to tell this whole place what you've done. But then one day, you came to the master, and what did you do? Like a leper man, you fell down on your knees before him. And instead of shouting unclean like everybody saying you're unclean and I'm not worthy, instead of that you said, if you are willing, save me. You know what he did? He reached out and he touched you. I wonder what song you would sing this morning. Reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. You will find He's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment your needs to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord while He passes by. I think, I think if this leper man would have come into this place and we say, you are the worship leader, I reckon those two songs would have been part of his songs that he was singing, wasn't it, Matthew? Hey? He reached out and touched the Lord when he passed by. How wonderful is it? Doesn't matter. Listen to me. Listen. Doesn't matter how dirty you think you are. When you come to the Master and He touches you, oh, but the touch of Him, the touch of the Master. How I crave for that touch every day of my life. Every day. We are human beings. We fail. We make mistakes. He never fails. He never makes mistakes. We slumber, we sleep. He never slumber nor sleep. We get so frustrated and we say things we don't mean. Is, is that only me or is it just you as well? And he comes. And you know what he says? When other people didn't want to touch you, when they say, I don't want to have a bar of that person, when other people push you out, when other people gossip about whatever they do, because you are unclean, because you are this leprous man, this leprous woman, nobody wants to know. That's the ones he's looking for. That's the ones when you come on your knees to him and you say, if you are willing. Is he willing? Of course he's willing, always. And then he reaches out. And he says, I'm willing. And I like this. I like this particular place where Mark uses the word immediately. He says, immediately the leprosy left him. What happens when you come to the cross and you confess your sin before him and you repent? What happens? 
immediately. He saves you from your sin. 1 John chapter 1 verse 89, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. I don't care what has happened in your life. I don't care what you've done. Look, you don't come and prostrate yourself to me. You come and you stand before the King of Kings and you bow to Him like a leper and you say, Lord, if you are willing, and He says, yes, I am willing, and He reaches out and immediately... He doesn't say go away and first get a better person, stop doing this, stop swearing, stop this, stop that. No, no. Immediately he touches you. I better hurry on. Are you enjoying the word of the Lord? He's good. He's always good. He's always been faithful to me in my life and to you. He's faithful to you because he saves your soul. He washes you. He says that he strictly warned him and he sent him away and said to him, he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go your way and show yourself to the priest. You see, he didn't break the law to walk away from the law or write new laws. This was custom there to go back to the priest. Remember in Leviticus, when he said in Leviticus that uh, the priest will say you're unclean. Now he had to go back to the priest and then he had to show himself to the, preach, to the priest. And the priest will say that he's okay to come into the, the assembly. Now let's finish this morning. Can somebody just call my beautiful wife? I'm just going to do this one verse and then we'll pray. He says, this man, he tells him, he says, do not go. Look at this. He says, say nothing, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer a cleansing to those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Why would you think Jesus would say this? Don't tell anybody because his time has not come yet. His time has not come yet. And he, he need to preach the gospel. He need to preach the gospel. That's why he came. That's what he said to me earlier. Let's, let's go to the next city. Because I need to preach. Because for this purpose I came. Now if this man goes around and, and start advocating to everybody, it will shut it down for him. He didn't come for fame. He wasn't a secret agent as well. He came for the right time. And he knew exactly what he did. But you know what? This poor little leper, I can just imagine. Did he listen? No, he didn't. In verse 45, he says, however. Don't you like the word however in the Bible? Or in a contract, however. It means, nah. Nope. I'm going to do it my way. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. You see, that is what Jesus didn't want. He didn't want fame, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. From every direction. So this morning, what have we learned? Jesus Christ has got power and authority over disease. Where did he get his strength from? From his father. He was praying. He removed himself. If you're a leper, where, where will you get your cleansing from? From him. Those are the things that we need to take. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word, which is, uh, Father, it's true that it is living and it's powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword cut between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And it is the discerner of the hearts.
Thank you, Lord, that your word will not go out and return void, but it will accomplish everything that it's been purposed for. And Father, as you've spoken to us this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit go with us. Convict us. Help us, because he is the helper. And be with us. Father, I pray now over the offering we're about to receive, and I thank you, Lord, for your provision for this place where we can preach your word for this time. I pray, Father, over the food we're about to receive afterwards. We thank you for the hands preparing it and also for your blessing. And while we proceed in eating this food, we also think, Father,